When it comes to commercial snow removal, look to Tovar Snow Professionals. With the largest snow and ice management fleet in the Midwest, Tovar delivers top-notch commercial sidewalk and parking lot clearing services, even in winter's worst weather conditions. With their 24-hour live office staff, certified meteorologists, and personal service, they are leaders in professional snow removal. To get a free estimate for snow removal on your site, go to baseball.tovarsnow.com or call 844-GO-TOVAR. That number again is 844-GO-TOVAR. Tovar Snow Professionals, Chicago's snowplowing leader. Tovar is an equal opportunity employer. We're Cubs fans helping Cubs fans at Stewart's Cubs Cave Parties. Everybody's in full giving back to those in The Club 4 Heart Podcast is on the air. There's no fighting in the bleachers. There is. What is going on, everybody? Thanks for joining the Club 400 Podcast. And um, tonight, hey, Club 400, William. Yes. It's about music and baseball. This will be our first of a kind First of what we're doing tonight. We're going to run through a whole entire album. We're doing an Dave. album review. We're like Rolling Stone magazine. We're going to do. We're going to hear the stories behind the tracks. Behind of the, the Bleacher Bum album done by Danny Rocket and the with crew. The, with the master himself. With the master himself. He's going to break down track by track. There's nine tracks on this album. The album was released. I don't know. Probably right at the beginning of the baseball season. Uh, if you don't know about it, you should know about it. You can check it out. On, I know it's on iTunes. I know it's on Spotify. Spotify again. And it's on most places where you could stream music. You know what I like is it's got a little bit of everything. There's some throwback stuff in there. Some stuff I'd already heard. Right. And then there's new stuff. Yeah, he's got And then there's just good stuff. And we're going to break it down track by track. But, William, let's talk, like, for our listeners out there, right? Yeah. I mean, when you're, what, what, what's, who's your musical favorites of all time? Like, when you're going to listen to an album, I, I know you like all kinds of music, but we found out not long ago we had someone in common, right, that we didn't know that we had. We did. And who was that? I don't even know. Remember? Dropkick Murphys. Dropkick Murphys. There we yeah. go. Yeah. And actually, I have a, uh, a note here. One of the tracks reminds me of the Dropkick Murphys. There is, you know, exactly. Well, yeah, we'll get, I think I know what track you're talking about. Um, but yeah, tell me about like, uh, William, your, your music choice. I mean, you know, it's easier to say like genres. I'm more of a classic rock kind of person. I'm trying as hard as I can to get into the country rock, right? That so many people are so fond of like yourself. Oh, love it. And I'm, I'm trying to get into that and I'm definitely, I'm into some stuff. Definitely. You know, it's a slow roll, but I'm getting there. But yeah, I like, you know, all the classic like rock stuff from the seventies, eighties, that kind of stuff. Yeah. You're kind of like old school music, right? A little bit more than, yeah, the newer stuff. I'm not a, not a big fan of too much of the new stuff, but like love Pearl Jam. We both both are fans. I mean, I'm a late Bloomer on Pearl Jam. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna lie. Like I've been to Pearl Jam concerts, but I was never as big as a fan I am now. Probably because I met Eddie and I didn't really didn't realize how big of a fan he was. And you know his passion with music and his passion for the Cubs are one of the same. 
So you got to like him if you're a Cub fan, and I do like him. And I, I really, I was a late bloomer to Pearl Jam, but I grew up listening to rap music more than anything. Um, I remember uh, going to the record store and picking up uh, my first two CDs I ever owned was N.W.A. and Eazy-E. Uh, brought those albums home, listened to them both, and I have, honestly have to say they changed my life. Like I was in the rap hardcore for a very, 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 very long time. Uh, most of my high school days, you know, that's where Hit the Shit and Get the Fuck Out came from, the you know, song uh, that... You all heard, if you've been here before, late night, uh, my rap song, my one and only rap song. It's a good one. Uh, but uh, one and only. then as I got o- older, I went in the country a little bit, and now I'm still in the country. Love Eric Church. In fact, I just bought Eric Church, t- Eric Church tickets for next March, and I did buy tickets to the Windy City Smokeout this year, um, which has Brett Aldridge there on Thursday. I believe it has Darius Rucker on Friday, Dirk Bentley on Sunday. And one of my favorites, John Party on Sunday, but I like all kinds of music. I like Lisa old school music. There's Lisa calling. What's she doing? We have the phone plugged in. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> What's she doing? Yeah, what are you doing? You're interrupting our podcast. Don't you know better? Uh, but yeah, so uh, music is a big part of Club 400. And I will tell you this, William. I don't know if you know this because we, we, we've met later in life. But for, I don't know, I'd have to say the last 15 to 20 opening days, um, we took a party bus to Wrigley Field, and uh, we put about you know twenty to thirty people on there. And for a very long time, I made an opening day CD with had nothing nice. but baseball songs on there. Nice. And like I always was looking for a new baseball song to put sure. on there. You know, we put center field on there. You know, we put you know the important ones, something that we could all jam out to. Something we could jam out to uh, going down to the, on the bus and get us ready for the day. And I'll tell you what, man. So, yeah, I always try to find little gems. This album by the Bleacher Bum album, right? I could have made just one CD of it and just gave that away. And I'll tell you what. I love people like Danny Rocket, who gives back to the Cubs community like he always has, um, with not only, like, his podcast, but all the stuff that he did over COVID. And I thought it was important to bring him on because this album might have gotten lost. Uh, through everything that was that's been going on, and it shouldn't. It's a really great album. It's a really fun album. If it's a, if you're a Cubs fan, then you should have this album, or you should be listening to it when you're going to the game. So we're gonna bring on a good friend, Danny, and we're gonna run through this thing track by track, and he's gonna give you the story behind the song, and it should be very fun. We're gonna play all the music from the tracks. So we'll give Danny a call right now. Enjoy the show, and let's listen to some music. Everybody, we got Danny Rocket on the phone from the Bleacher Bum Band. Danny was probably wasn't he our second or third guest when we were out of the studio, William? I think so. Yeah, and he came out and it was he wrote our theme song. He wrote yeah every song. You hear that's Danny, right? <laughs> the Club Four Hundred theme song. Which, by the way, our friend John Benedict. Did I tell you that he played the jingle this year at the ballpark this year? He played our jingle. Uh, he played our jingle there. Really? Yeah. I asked him. I, I Danny, are you getting paid for that? Am I? Yeah. No, <laughs> no I, they, in fact, I think I have to pay. I think I now owe Tom Ricketts money because John played a song that I wrote for you guys for free. And so it's it's built into, I think, the fine print of my ticket. You're, so. you're going to get a bill in the mail. <laughs> yeah, I'm expecting it any time. That, that, you know, I'm sure Dear Mr. Rocket, you yeah. owe us. <laughs> Danny, one of yeah. one of course, everybody knows that Danny's 
been to many of our events, uh, sang at a lot of our events, made our Christmas party with Miggy Montero. That was the oh, that was uh, one of the greatest things of all time, I think. And uh, uh, always comes out here, uh, puts his time in, always comes for free. He's definitely a part of Cub fans, helping Cub fans. And the one thing I love about Danny, it just doesn't stop with us. Danny does his own stuff. He's constantly raising money for different people. Uh, they have the Mike Leonard Condolence Fund, which they send uh, a Cubs shirt or jersey to someone who might have lost a loved one in the, uh, their life recently. And I, he's always raising money. For instance, I know he's doing a lot of things with the Lost Boys right now. And, uh, Danny, I, that's what I love about you. I told you about that. You're a very giving guy. Uh, you're, you're the type of guy who would give a, their, their shirt off their back. And not to mention that, you're very freaking talented, which brings us on to why we have you on here tonight is because, of man, you are so musically talented not only the writing part, 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 part of it, but the singing part of it. I mean, uh, you got both things going for you. Well, thanks. I mean, I, I got lucky because my parents are both musicians and, you know, we were always singing growing up. And, uh, you know, I'd never really understood that other people couldn't sing because both my sisters, Amy and Alyssa, they're both musicians. Amy's an opera singer. She lives out in Carlsbad, California. My sister's a musician. Uh, she's out in Brooklyn, singer songwriter. She writes great songs. And my mom was always playing piano. My dad was big into opera. They met in an opera, in fact, singing in an opera. So I never really understood growing up that other people didn't just play music all the time as part of just regular life, if that makes sense. So like, it's one of those things that, um, kind of chooses you instead of you choosing it. And then uh, you know, it's just, it's a, it's great, man. It's just playing music with people. It's just build such a sense of community and it can make people, you know, music's always a big part of, you know, all of our biggest moments, our celebrations, our, our weddings, our funerals, our, you know, our birthdays and, uh, you know, at our parties, especially like you always got music jamming down there when, when, um, you know, when the party's kicking at club 400, it's just like, so it, I don't know. I I don't know exactly what question I'm answering, but I think you just said, Hey, you got it all going on. And I'm like, (laughs) woohoo. I'm happy for it, man. So it's, it's fun to, it's fun to be with everybody, you know, and, and playing and making lots of sound. So can you bring it back to when you first came up with the idea? It seems so obvious now, but obviously wasn't before. When you took two passions in your life, the music, it sounds like, and then your fandom for the Chicago Cubs, and you put those together like a Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. Do you remember that moment? Um, kind of. I was, um, I mean, I was living in New York, and uh, there was a, uh, a contest for WGN to have a new uh, opening to the radio show. And so I entered that competition. And then I think Jonathan Brandmeier was back on for a brief period. And um, there was something that he was doing, like there's something to replace go Cubs go. Maybe I want to say it was. And um, anyway, I I, I entered both of those competitions. So, uh, that was kind of like the first Cub songs I wrote. That was like maybe 2010, 2011, 2012-ish kind of time. And then, um, you know, when I when I came to – I moved back to Chicago because I grew up in Arlington Heights. And But uh, when I came back to Chicago, um, my plan was just to kind of like 
uh, well, A, changed my life considerably just because I was like pretty depressed in New York. A lot of things had gone wrong for me. And so uh, I was like, and the only thing that was really making me happy was uh, watching Cubs games, <laughs> you know, and even though they were so terrible, like 2011, 2012, they like losing the 2013, you know, they lost a hundred games. And I was like, Oh, Cubs, I just lost a hundred games in my life. <laughs> and um, I think we have a lot in common. So I just started going to the games and then I started writing on bleed Cubby blue. And then, I don't know, I was doing a, another podcast called rocket radio and that was comedy based. And so I started the Sun Ranto show and I started, you know, adding music to that. And then people, you know, people really liked um, some of the parodies I used to put up on Bleed Cubby Blue. And I was doing um, articles for them when I was just traveling around, like writing. The sorted trails. Uh, I remember yeah, those. The, yeah. If you look up like my name, Danny Rocket and sorted travels of a Cubs fan, there's many articles titled that. And it's like. And it was just pretty much a wild time. And I was just doing all that for free and just like just doing it to like just do it, I guess. And then before uh, I knew you, I I read those uh, those the sort of travels. And I'm like, man, this is I loved it, man, because Danny basically would would go on a road trip and try to do it like as basically as cheap as he possibly could. And and he just showed his experiences and the whole entire trip. And he always end up winning big time. Like he just, it seemed like it at least he just had so many awesome experiences, you know, it is. I mean, well, and that is the idea. Like the, I think one of the first ones I did was spring training. I went down and I stayed in Airbnb with a very nice young couple. And they were like, just trying to make it like he was working at a fast food place. And she was like a secretary for her dad's business. So she probably wouldn't get paid either. Cause dad's like, you're fine. I raised you for years. You work for free, you know, but, uh, but anyway, the cute, nice young couple and stuff. And then I stayed in this back room and you know, the, I woke up with their dog sleeping on my feet and then riding bikes to the ballpark. And then I got for, for, you know, 25 bucks from a pawn shop. And I was just always trying to do everything as cheaply as possible, partly out of necessity and partly out of just an angle, you know, because, uh, and, and also for fun, like my years touring with b- bands, around the country and around like Europe, you have to do things very cheaply. You're sleeping on a lot of floors, getting food where you can and um, eating out of gas stations. So you got to be pretty savvy about it. You know, like we were so poor. Sometimes our bass player, man, he had like, he was using an electrical cord as a belt because his belt broke. (laughs) I mean, it's just like, you know, things get out of hand and you, you're just, a, and so I just thought I'd bring that kind of band touring sensibility, the hippie sensibility to Cubs fandom um, with those articles. But then like the music just grew out of that because I already had a band called bad teenage mustache and we played comedy songs and, um, and we had that going on. I still wanted to play those songs with my old friends. Every time I go visit New York and uh, I played some of those solo in Chicago. So it was just kind of like, you know, that's how I express myself through music. So if I'm going to do a giant crazy Cubs project, it's going to involve music somehow, you know. So that's kind of the inception of it. But um, it certainly has um, has grown from there. <laughs> I guess I didn't even realize it was going to. Oh. So. Uh, William, a trivia question, right? The first Cubs parody song that Danny ever did. Can you name that song? The first one he ever did. I can tell you the first one I ever heard, but I 
Did he already mention it? No, I don't think he mentioned it. I, I think you might be wrong too, because there might because there might be one you don't know about. <laughs> yeah. What that, was the first Cubs song? Yeah. Cubs parody it, it, song. It's online. It, well, the first one was I think Elton John. I guess that's why I bleed Cubby Blue instead of I guess that's why they call it the Blues, which okay. I don't believe because you were going to say maybe Hayward. I would have said Hayward. Or Lester always flips it in her hand. I think that was later. I'd already been doing stuff. You know, I don't even know the answer to the question myself. I I think it might be. We'll get our research team on that and see if we can uh, come up with that. (laughs) Danny's actually actually had two live shows this year already. I know. It's amazing. So the first song I ever heard Danny do was the Ballad of John Baker. Baker. Okay. At John Aou, Baker, I was hooked at <laughs> Well, that's got like four versions now. And, you know, uh, that's I'm mean, talking about this is what I was talking about before. Like, that's like the song that launched a thousand ships. You know what I mean? Because, you know, the story of that song and it, and we did do another recording with the Bleacher Bump Band, which uh, for this last album we did. But the original recording of that song is just me and an acoustic guitar, and I posted on Bleak Cubby Blue. And I was at that game where John Baker got the win in the 16th inning, but I wasn't there at the 16th inning because the, well, the story is in Because you left I early. <laughs> I, we, we didn't mean to leave. Like, we were out smoking cigarettes, which, by the way, I'm a year quit. So I don't yeah, do that. Congratulations. congratulations. Happy birthday, by the way, too. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so uh, that uh, I was out there and I was um, we were smoking and they closed down the gate so we couldn't get back in and we begged our way, but we they wouldn't do it. And like all this stuff happened and we ended up watching the rest of it in a bar. Uh, but, um, you know, I woke up, wrote that song real quick. I mean, I was so hungover. Oh, my God. Like I was it, I had a plane to catch because I was heading out to go watch the Cubs play the Rockies um, with a friend of mine. Uh, we were going to meet up there. And then uh, I was heading off to L.A. Actually, I think I, I got that backwards. I was going to L.A. and then uh, to to the Rockies, um, to, to Colorado. So anyway, I get on the I write the song. I get on the plane. I don't think anything about it. It's just that version of the song. That's all that's ever happened with it. Um, I played it live a few times. People seemed to enjoy it, but it was not a big deal. Um, then John Baker, or no, John Baker's father, David, who was also a, a catcher in the minor league system. He's just doing some random search. He's retired, lives out in California. He's doing some search on his son and finds my song. No way. I didn't know that. No shit. Yeah. So then, and this is a year after, and then he get, gets in contact with me on Twitter and so we start going back and forth and then John gets involved somehow. And I didn't realize he, John even had a Twitter. You know what I mean? Like John was, John was gone by then. You know what I mean? Like right. John went to the Mariners and then, you know, whatever. And then he came back anyway. So we, we start talking on Twitter and long story short, we end up throwing John Baker day that we did with IVNV and Corey. And we asked John like, Hey, we're going to throw this big party in your honor of that night. Um, <laughs> you you want to be a part of it? He's like, oh yeah. And he turns out he's a cool guy. Like we didn't know who he was, 
And and then then it, like for five years straight, like we've raised like thousands of dollars for different charities, and like and that's all because of that one drunken night and me waking up and writing a stupid song <laughs> that his dad found a year later. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and that's what I mean. It's just like those kind of things. If you put your 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 uh, work out there and follow follow where it may go with an open mind, you you can make cool things happen i mean but that's just luck man like you know what can you say i mean i mean yeah i mean that's totally agree with you danny i mean you know club 400 we we talked about it before we brought you on it is about music and my love for music and baseball and steel's got his charity which mixes his love for music and baseball and the, the, baseball and music have a lot a lot of things in common you know and uh, bringing people together is one of them you know and that's what baseball and uh, both music does but so all the listeners out there tonight, we're going to break down this album track by track. And Danny, I want to uh, tell me how you got the band together and what made you decide an album during the quarantine? Well, I mean, really, the album started before the quarantine. We had recorded this uh, in a studio over on Montrose Avenue in the highway, basically. And it was, um, it, you know, we, we had a, a drummer who's from Serbia named Darko. Our bass player is a Bosnian, Alzin. Uh, he, uh, and they were around and everything was going fine. And we recorded all the tracks basically at the end of 2019, after the season ended that winter. And we got a lot of it done. And then we were gonna get it ready to get released by opening day 2020. And then you all know what happened. Uh, the COVID hits, everything gets canceled. And so we're, we're like, well, we can't release this now. Like nobody's in the mood for a fun rock and roll baseball album. So we were like, okay, well, let's sit on it and see what, and like work on it more. So it's what we did. And then, you know, our drummer, uh, he had gone back to Serbia to tour. He's actually from a famous band. They play stadiums and stuff. Like he's really good and really famous over there. And, um, well, their whole tour got canceled because of COVID. So he's sitting around and he's like, hey, guys, I'm not really happy with the drum sounds. So uh, do you, why don't I just go into my studio here, record my own drums again, and uh, then we can have better drums. And we're like, all right, let's do that. We have all the time in the world now because we're not going to release this till 2021 now or whatever. Like we have no plan anymore now, right? So um, he So he does that. And then we're like, hey, you know, that bass could use a little – touch it up and then hey let's record this and then we just kept adding to it and we just kept changing things so it was like I, I think the first album that we were gonna make i think it got totally erased maybe there's like a few tracks on it that are original that were meant to be uh released everything else is different now and we just kind of like tinkered with it until basically we could release it opening day 2021 and then finally, like, get it out there. But it's a totally different album than we had intended. But, but hey, the, you know, that's what pandemics are for, right? <laughs> exactly. Let me ask you this before we talk about the tracks. Uh, when you uh, record, when you decide what you wanted to put on this album, which, right, you know, you have nine songs on the album right now, uh, and, you, and you got to, and you decide that was going to be your album, how much thought process went into the slotting of where the tracks went on the album? Because the reason why I asked you that question is, and I, I, you know, is that when I listen to this album, 
It's like an album where I, I almost feel like it's a, a one song, you know. Um, and I, I mean that in the most respectful way. I think all great albums need to be listened in their entirety. Like, for instance, one of my favorite albums of all time is Rancid and Outcome of the Wolves, right? Now, you can't start out and Outcome of the Wolves in the middle of that album. You've got to start from the beginning. And that's how I feel with your album. And I think it has really good flow from track to track. And I just wanted to know, as a fan of your music and what you do, it was, was it intentional uh, where you put these tracks and how you wanted the album to feel overall? Or do you not really even care about that? Are you just wanting to put out tracks and it, that doesn't matter where they go in the listing? Well, it, it does. It, and it, and we, me and Bleacher Jeff, who I haven't mentioned yet, that did a lot of the production on this album in addition to singing and playing guitar, uh, you know, him and I were basically the ones that made those decisions. And he sent me a track list that I believe began with coming back to Wrigley. And he wanted that to be the first song, you know, Hey, we're coming back. And I, and that made sense to me, you know, and I went back and forth about it. Um, but he wanted that it that way. And I don't know, remember where Florida man was, it's, it, it, which does actually open the track. But I, but I loved the guitar riff at the beginning of Florida man so much that I'm like, I understand your point of view with coming back to Wrigley as a thought to do first, but Florida man fucking rocks. So like, let's just start by, you know, and I'm like, it's a better opener musically. So we went with that, even though we agreed to disagree on it. Um, there were a few other things like I had Ash and the Ivy earlier in, in the track somewhere, um, uh, which is actually the last song on the album. And I said, and I'm like, well, Jeff, why do you want it? The last one? He's like, because it's my least favorite. <laughs> so, <laughs> wow. So I'm like, all right, well, that's as good of a reason to put it last as anyway. So, and I'm like, well, I, it's fine. Let's just put it last. It probably is. It's the one that Ashley and the Ivy is maybe one that didn't come out exactly like I, we wanted it to. In a way, it was hard to mix. Like, it, you know, I don't want to get into nitty gritty, right. but uh, you know, some, you know, some of them are really easy to mix and some are hard to mix just depending on what you got going on. And there's a lot of instruments all over this track. There's a lot of singers. My sister's on here. Um, my, uh, I got, uh, friends, I got, a, uh, my friend, Johnny Onomatopoeia, who does all our nationals podcasts when the Cubs play the nationals, when the, for the Sun Ranther show, he's playing bongos on this. Um, my sister, did I mention my sister singing? Yeah. Um, yeah, there's, uh, there's lots of people on this. I'm going to leave somebody out. So I'll stop saying who's on it. But, um, uh, anyway, it's, it's, um, sorry, I lost my train of thought. Oh yeah. The track, the tr but yeah, we did put a lot of thought process it, to the point that we thought about it a little good. bit. That's and right. Then, Cause I could tell you did the album flow is so good. And now, it's ironically, fun, it's know? funny that you say that because, uh, we obviously like to do our homework before, you know, we have a show here and that kind of thing. So I was listening today to the entire album at work. I got a totally different order. I'm listening on Spotify. Okay. And I'm guessing it's in an order of maybe the most tracks that have been played or something. Probably. Right. Correct. So, so yeah. So I was like, what are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. And, and that's a problem for me because when I realized that that happened, I was like, well, I guess all my decisions are, are just, <laughs> you know, um, usurped by um, right. Spotify. Yeah. Because right now, they, you know, I guess Jeff was right because coming back to Wrigley is the number one is song. Is the number one song, yeah. Florida Man's and three. Then, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it's Florida a little bit. Man's 
Because I was playing it today, and then I'm like, oh, this is out of order, because I knew, like, Florida Man was number one, because I've been listening to it yeah. a lot. But I was like, oh, okay, here we go. But Well, and uh, Ash in the Ivy stays number 10, so I guess nobody likes that one, I guess. But uh, the uh, but uh, let's see, one out closer with a beer, which is um, actually the eighth track on the album, because, in, you know, you asked, do I, you know, think about the full opening line of that song is, it's the bottom of the eighth. Gotcha. Nice. You know, so it ends up as the eighth song. And because I wanted a nine song album, like nine innings, nine songs. I think all our albums, once we get nine songs together, you're going to do an then album. Then we, yeah, we, we right. do another album. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, and then, um, yeah, uh, but uh, One Out Closer to Beer is second uh, on Spotify, even though it's eighth on the record. Well, before, so, before we go through track by track, then I just got to ask you one more track song, uh, track question. On Spotify, again, there are 10 tracks. There is the Rob Manfred Hates Baseball remastered. Yeah. Explain that. Well, okay, well. Is that extra Rob innings? Man- is this like a well, guy that, starts That's the one that's on the album, right? The remastered one. Is on Both the of them are. Yeah, the remastered one's on the record. And the, the, the difference is, is that, um, A, the remastered one is one second longer. <laughs> so there you got that and going the, for it. And there's a guy starting at second because it's the tenth song. Yeah, and there's a man starting exactly. <laughs> oh, but uh, no, there's uh, we released uh, when we were trying to get uh, the album done in 2020. Uh, we wanted to release a single to uh, to be able to um, you know, kind of uh, hype up the album. Before we were gonna, because we were gonna release it in 2020 originally, so we we're like, let's release a single. Rob Manfred hates baseball is universal. We get people excited. It's a two-minute song. Make a little video. We'll release it as a single. So we just did, and then uh, we did remaster it, which means like we we use mastering software. Okay. Um. To to uh, and I don't know if you know what mastering is, but basically it's a way in which you can kind of compress all your sounds and make sure that the dynamic range of um, all of the, uh, A, the volume itself, but also uh, change the frequencies of things and like either put things more forward or back. I mean, you do your original mix and then you master it so that the whole album has like a similar kind of volume to it and a similar kind of sound profile, if you will. So, um, so yeah, it did get some changes. So, but it's it's probably imperceptible. Okay. The album the, the album clocks in at thirty three minutes. I'm surprised it wasn't sixty nine minutes. But <laughs> well, yeah, our next one perfect album. Listen next, to on your way to Wrigley Field. By the way, if you have a half hour commute, otherwise you got to listen to it twice, <laughs> which is fine. I would have to listen to it twice, but yeah. it's twice as better. We'll start with track one, Florida Man. Tell us about Florida Man. Obviously, uh, written about Anthony Rizzo. Yeah, and, but a very specific moment. Like it's got the chorus. Uh, if you remember the uh, the game in which uh, Anthony Rizzo hit a huge home run up on the shoreboard, but this time Anthony Rizzo hit the D of the Budweiser sign up. There, oh yeah, yep. And he broke it. And so I thought it was a pretty hilarious thing. Like Rizzo broke the D. Cause it has a bit of a double entendre to it. You know what I mean? Like, exactly. Um, you know, so, and you know, just kind of playing around and of course, you know, Florida man 
you know, gets his foot eaten by alligator, Florida man caught with seven strippers in the, in a sewer, <laughs> Florida, you know, all that stuff, you know, it already had a kind of a, 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 a zeitgeisty movement to it. So I was like, a pretty good match. So, and Anthony Rizzo deserves a song cause he's awesome. You're and right. The Cubs are idiots. Yeah, and the Cubs are idiots for not, um, locking him up you can't i don't think he's going anywhere there's no way they can let him go anywhere they got to work that out but uh yeah florida man you're right is a banger it's a great way to start off the album i mean uh i i love this song we're gonna play this track for you anything else you want to say about florida man before we play this track for the listeners here and he broke it and so i thought it was a pretty hilarious thing like rizzo broke the d because it has a bit of a double entendre to it. You know what I mean? Like, exactly. Um, you know, so, and, you know, just uh, playing around. And, of course, you know, Florida Man. I, I love this song. We're going to play this track for you. Anything else you want to say about Florida Man before we play this track for the listeners here? Uh, enjoy it. Hey, why? Let me ask you this question, Danny. Why isn't this Rizzo's walk-up music? What the hell is going on here? Anthony Rizzo, have you not heard Florida Man? What is going on? You better be respecting me. <laughs> Jesus Christ, this is the Bleacher Bomb Band and Florida Man. Florida man, 
Track two, coming back to Wrigley. Tell us about this one, Danny. I mean, uh, this song is uh, this song should like, be like the Cubs theme song. It's like the ultimate the pandemic song, you know, coming back to Wrigley. Um, Pretty much, yeah. This one should be played on the loudspeakers at Wrigley Field this John season. John Benedict should be playing this song on the organ. I agree. We're going to have to get on Johnny. Tell us about this one, Danny. Well, uh, this was specifically written, like, about my feelings in um, – it's about my feelings. Uh, no, uh, 20, 2017, um, after the Cubs won the World Series, you know, that was, you know, obviously a huge moment for all of our fandoms. And it was an exhausting experience um, emotionally and physically, uh, the way I did it anyway. And, um, you know, that, that winter I saw all our friends and, you know, we all kind of had that sort of, it was almost like, it was like after like a death or something like something had fundamentally changed in at least my experience at that point. And then, you know, you go down to opening day and I went to that game, um, you know, when they Rizzo hoisting the trophy up high and everybody cheering, they raised the flags. And of course there was a terrible rain delay and, you know, then I'll, but I didn't even make, I didn't even, I saw that I was there at that, but I missed the game because it was, I wasn't dressed warm enough and I got wet and got too drunk and had to go home. I watched it from home. But um, anyway, that moment where Rizzo came out and just like how that all felt just like to triumphantly come back, like after after winning and we had gone through the parade and everything. So like, I, I just, you know, wrote this song from the heart about how that felt, you know, there was, and um, you know, I, I guess that's something that maybe people universally felt because a lot of people told me that many of the lyrics in it or, or the feel of the song or the chorus of the song, we're coming back to Wrigley. We're coming back to Wrigley. It just like gives them a, I don't know. It's a, it's a, it was a cathartic experience for many of us to come back that year after having won it. And um, so I wrote a long time ago, but this is a new version because there is another version of it as well that I recorded by myself, but not by myself. Uh, Will Baker, uh, John Baker's brother plays tr uh, trombone on the other version. And that was the one I released um, just on the blog, just kind of like as a, you know, I just released it and then, put it on anything like an album or Spotify, but so finally it's, it made it an album. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm glad, uh, and I'm glad I, it's I'm out glad there. People respond. This is the album. That you, this is the song that you play when you're in your car and you're about five minutes away from parking your car. <laughs> there you go. Track number That's two, it. coming back to Wrigley. <laughs> Coming back to Wrigley with a ticket in my hands No ring upon my finger because I am just a fan And I spent most of my money on sausages and beer But I was there when they wanted that year A pressured anticipation had the city tightly rocked with a 5-3 combination As the sailing ball was caught Half a dozen generations who would live to see the day The Cubs would take the season all the way 
Danny, I know this. This was actually personal. I think an experience for you. Tell us the story behind one of my favorite songs on the album, "No Fighting in the Bleachers." Now that reminds me of an old awesome punk song, right, William? A punk? Yes. I mean, you know what? It, you well, know, I, to me, it's got a Dropkick Murphy feel to it. Yeah, it it does. It's like "No Fighting in the Bleachers." Well, you know, the famous bleacher fight that happened out there in two thousand. Eight, which you I recorded, right? And it went viral yeah. because you recorded it, correct? Yeah, and it just came up again because Barstool stole it and put it on their show and then had a copyright issue come up for me because they were claiming my video is theirs. So I yelled at um, Barstool Big Cat about it, and they took care of it. So I uh, just, but so yeah, uh, it was a viral fight video at Wrigley Field. Cubs lost the game to the Pirates as they were getting screwed by the brewers the 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 surging brewers of the that year um that was one of those losses at the end of the year that really killed us um but there was also a giant fight and it unfortunately had racial overtones to it um 
which was very sad. Um, but yeah, it, it, I, I tweeted it out. Everybody picked it up. Turned out that the guy was, um, well, it doesn't matter who the guy was, but what the, the most amazing thing was is that it was a dude who just kept yelling, no fighting in the bleachers. Oh, Danny. No fighting in the bleachers. And that's what made you, it. Did you know that guy, Danny? Was he a regular or was he just somebody that, because I know a lot of you guys know each other out there. Was he? Yeah, he is a regular, and I don't know if he wants his name out there. Oh, like so he is, he's but, he's still but, part of the. What does he think about the song? By the way, does he does he love it or what? Uh, and I mean, what about I, the I, shirt? I, actually, I mean, you had the "No Fighting in the Bleachers" T-shirt, which is an awesome shirt. I bought one. Well, I bought one for Paul Johnson, our good pro. But I love that shirt. I just saw who was wearing the "No Fighting in the Bleachers" shirt the other day. I went to the Cubs game. Someone had it on. But what does he think about all this stuff? Does he laugh about it? Well, well, I mean, I never made any shirts, and that's the thing. It's like I, I did. Jeff made some shirts. Um, Barstool made some shirts, um, and uh, and the guy was kind of he yelled at me because he thought I was making shirts. So like he wasn't really too about that. He's like, hey, I've got I've got a business. I need my face out there. So he didn't mind that if like the regulars wore the shirts and stuff, but he didn't want it to be like. A business like when Barstool did it, he was pretty pissed. He thought I had sold it to Barstool or something. Like hell no, like that's on them. They're doing their own thing, you know. Like take it up with them, you know. Like, but with um, but with uh, like Jeff shirts, like they were just for us. You know what I mean? Right, like, right, the right. Mic, the, the mic. No, I think you might have just. That. Yeah, I think I got him at one of your events. That Jeff was just selling them out of a bag or something. But yeah, yeah, yeah. it wasn't like it, yeah, it wasn't like one. it wasn't sold or right. you could buy it anywhere, but. You had to no, you had to know for, Danny Rocket to get one of those suckers. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I didn't even pay for mine. Like, I still owe Jeff twenty bucks for that. So, you know, it's it's like. And um, now we but, have that on tape. And let me let me ask you this about this: How fun is this one to play live? I mean, oh, this is this is a fun really jam, is. right? This is like one you wanna. This is one you got to be extra pumped up for when you're playing it live, you know. I can't wait till we can stop our social distance shows and like people can just mosh and I can crowd surf and we all end up bloody and beaten at the end of this one. It, it could be just two minutes of mayhem where somebody like almost dies and that would be a lot of fun. But, um, but that's what, that's what I'm looking for. It is a fun song. It's, it's fast. It's a fast uh, one. It's uh, but it, but you know, it's just one of those. And also I should say this, it's totally ripped off of go tell it on the mountain. And now that I told you that, <laughs> now you'll never unhear it. So that's classic. Yeah, and tri- yeah, a little so. trivia question about it: it's one of two songs on the album that are marked explicit. Ah, yes, okay. yeah. <laughs> I really had to go. I didn't have uh, went out close to to a beer marked explicit, and then I, I was like, but because apparently I didn't consider fuck a swear word like that day. I was like, oh yeah, wait, hold on. Oh, do you like, mark well, it that way when you put it up there? Oh yeah, yeah, I got to mark oh, okay. it. Okay, and it, you don't want to screw it up either because it's it's if you get reported, then it could like hold everything up. You right, know? right. All right, this so. is track three from the album, the Bleacher Bum album. Uh, there's no fighting at Club 400, so take that shit outside. Track number three, there's no fighting in the bleachers by the Bleacher Bum Band. Here we go. There is no fighting in the bleachers. What did your mama teach you? There is no fighting in the bleachers, so take that shit outside. There is no fighting in the bleachers. What did your mama 
Danny, a fun song right here, man. This is a, a, a different. I, you know, I like I like the, the the flow of this song. This is the, the Cup Snake song, dude. Tell us about this one. Uh, uh, we actually had Frank Walker on one of our podcasts, and he asked me what I thought about Cup Snakes, and I told him I'm I'm not a big fan of them. He's like, well, why not? And I was like, I just don't think like all the spit flowing around and all these cups uh, <laughs> getting spilled on people is a good thing, you know? So he, Frank actually liked uh, my, uh, if being a head of security, they, they're not allowed to do cup snakes anymore. But tell us about uh, the cup snake guy. This is a great song, man. Well, you know, it's like uh, just that Saturday bleacher crowd, you know, the 20s and 30-something, which, you know, I'm, I'm beyond now at this point, um, but, you know, they're getting rowdy out there. The bleachers, they're making those giant cup snakes. They're getting egged on. Uh, they're getting egged on by each other and by out fueled by booze. And, um, you know, it's it, it, it just kind of I kind of wanted to take a piss, the piss out of one of those guys, you know, taking the train in from Barrington. You know, uh, I just, you know, some trust fund kind of kid who, you know, didn't watch the game but had a hell of a time making cup snakes and, you know. Right, the one the guy that goes there cause to say that he went to a Cubs game, not because he likes the Cubs or baseball, just one of those fans, Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, just, it's, it's you know, it's the dudes that, you know. They're just William, basically. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, I just now. thought I'd make fun of that guy. You know, it's, it's the kind of person that starts the wave out there. You know, they just don't quite know the rules and, but they're going to make a cup snake and have a good time. And, you know, I personally don't have too much against cup snakes as long as the game's out of hand. Yeah, exactly. Um, like, don't be doing any cup snakes in, like, a three-to-two game with the bases loaded. Like, settle <laughs> right. down, everybody. Um, but if it's ten-to-two and you're losing or winning and it's the eighth, by all means – Cup snake away. I do not give a crap. So the I big, just think it's situational. The one with the biggest cup snake wins, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's what she Sometimes. said. Sometimes. Track number four, a really fun song on the album. Let's take it away, William, with Cup Snake Guy. Go. He 
Danny, uh, Harry Carey, as you know, I think you know, is my idol, man. So th- being that you put a Harry Carey theme song, this album is awesome. Tell us about the track number five, Harry Lives in the Taps. Uh, well, I mean, this one's kind of an old one, too. I think I wrote this maybe 2014 or 2015. And, uh, uh, and we used to travel around doing this one with Bad Teenage Mustache, my old band, too. And... Um, it's just a ridiculous t- song. Like this is kind of like one of those like bad teeth as much as kind of songs, but like uh, it has a bit of an imagination to it and a comedy bent. So uh, the song is basically about imagining that um, Harry Carey, in order to save money uh, back in uh, 1986, suggested to the Wrigley Brass at the time uh, that what they could do to make even more money 
would be to um, take the recycled trough juice, if you will. I don't know. That sounds worse than than pee in a way. Trough uh, but, juice. Uh, I like it. Yeah. Ew. And take it and then recycle it and in back into the Budweiser taps so that, you know, all hey, the, everybody. The basically everybody's just drinking pee. Because, I mean, Budweiser, you know, right. a pissed beer. So, you know what I mean? So I wrote a song about that. About that. <laughs> That's about a weird that. one, but. About I, that. I like it. I, it works with this album. It works with the flow. I kind of want to live in the, t- in the It's tags. a country song. Yeah, it is a country song. Yeah. Danny put a little country yeah. song out there. I like that, Danny. Yeah. Way to go. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a country tune. It's a, it's a little square dance, so. It's, kind it's of square dances. I like. Vibe. You're right. I like it. It's got that little vibe in there. You're right. Never thought about yeah. that. Yeah. 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 Grab your partner and dosy dose. Swing them around <laughs> and let's sing about Harry Carey and Budweiser. Tasting like the Budweiser food. fairy. All right. Grab a cold Budweiser, everybody, or hey, everybody. a Club 100 Lager, hey, and uh, check out it. Harry Lives in the Taps. Chuckle and scoff when they see Wrigley's bathroom and pee in a trough. I guess they must be pee shy or frozen in fear. As we stand side by side, filling it up with beer. But the trough's hold a secret that nobody knows. Cause when the game's ended, guess where the pee goes? Did you ever consider?
Danny, one, one of the topics I know, uh, Rob Manfred hates baseball. You've always said it. Then you decide to write a song. Tell us about uh, the whole uh, Rob uh, Manfred hates baseball theory here. Because I think he does, too. I think Rob Manfred hates everything. Um, well, this one I, I wrote during uh, the 2019 World Series. And I was sitting there watching the Nationals and uh, the Astros play. And... Um, you know, think and they were talking about the rules. I don't know. Rob Manfred was on there. Something was going on. Everybody was hating on Manfred. So I just, you know, that's I just got inspired and I wrote down all the new changes and kind of fit them into the lyrics. And then basically, this song's a musical theater tune. You know, it's like very like jazzy and um, you, you can see it being in like a a ragtime kind of kind of musical. You know. Um, so, and anyway, I wrote it and I, and I put out a live version of me singing and I've changed some of the lyrics since then, but I made a little video and I put it out on Twitter during the world series and it went viral and I'm like, Oh, people like this one. And everybody was suggesting more ideas for what to put in it. And so I, I kept adding and changing and, and, and it's the, and here's, here's the one thing, like all the other songs are Cub centric. This brings all the baseball fans together because we right. can all agree about one thing is that Rob Manfred is a clown. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? I've been playing that song after um, the 10th inning a lot this year. After, like, <laughs> oh, yeah. especially in Cincinnati when I was at the game and right. I enjoyed that 12 12 game. That was unbelievable. And then it had to end that way, like, over uh, that stupid second base rule. I mean, but yeah, so I've yeah. actually played that track a lot lately. That should be going up high on the Spotify list just because of me, man. I've been. Do you, when I'm pissed off, I play that one. Do you have any word of whether or not the commissioner has heard this ditty yet? I I don't know, but I, I really do hope that he does. And I mean, it, it, you get you got to figure that you know somebody somewhere along the way will play it for him, right? You, you know, think. Or, yeah. I mean, be like, or just just in order to think of like whether he wants to sue me or not for libel. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. I'm like, well, you can't get blood from a corpse, but like, I, 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 I often thought um, that, um, it, you know, what he would do is put in like a cease and desist on me. Mm. That would... I mean, maybe hey, that's good publicity for me. I don't right. really care. Exactly. I mean, song's yeah. out there. That's, all, that's a good, it's, it's a good one. And you're right. It's kind of theaterish. I like it. Uh, here is track uh, number was it six, Bleacher Bum album. Check it out on Spotify or wherever you can stream music. It's on iTunes also. Uh, Rob Manfred Hates Baseball. Rob Manfred likes opening days in winter. Likes baseball games that don't go on too long. Rob Manfred likes more offense from the hitter. Likes juicing up the ball and hitting dogs. 
Texas, keep the fans out. And Xing teams out of the minor leagues. Rob Bedford's gonna bring us robot umpires. To tell CB Buckner that he's been wrong. He likes putting money in the bank. All right, Danny, one of the uh, guys who, I mean, when I think of uh, San Ranto and I think of Danny Rocket, I think of a lot of different things. But one thing I think about is one of my favorite events every year, John Baker Day. And uh, obviously you wrote the Ballad of John Baker. Uh, it's turned into uh, almost like yeah, uh, the, kind of the roots of who you are as a person and what you're doing and helping out all the people that you're doing. Uh, tell us about uh, the illustrious night when you Went out and watched the Cubs game, got really drunk, and woke up the next morning and wrote this doobie here. Well, that's exactly what happened. I, I went out with my friends. I got really drunk. Um, I, I, got, uh, I got locked out of the game at some point accidentally, like I kind of mentioned earlier, and then woke up and wrote the song for the hangover. And then uh, a year later, his dad hears it, contacts me. I meet John at Cubs convention. Um, ask him to come to John Baker Day. I make a new version of the song. Um, find out his brother lives in Chicago, Will. Uh, and I'm like, hey, Will. Um, it, oh, and I find out he plays trombone. And he's like a concert. You know, he's like the real deal. He plays with symphonies. Um, and so I'm like, hey, would, would you want to play trombone on this track? So I made a whole new track of it. Uh, that was very like New Orleans jazz. So there's that version of John Baker, the John Baker album. But then the Bleacher Bum Band, after we got with it, we're a little bit more have a punk sensibility to what we do. And uh, we started playing it like kind of like a um, like a rockabilly punk tune and a lot faster. And um, we played it that way for uh, at one of the John Baker days and they brought down the house. So uh, we were like, all right, well, like, we got to record it that way because people really liked it. So we did. So we made like a rockabilly punk version, and that's what this one is. And that, this, is, this is probably the last time we ever record this one because <laughs> after many iterations, that, um, but this, this one I think will be the definitive one because John's with the Pirates now. <laughs> so. where, where does this one rank as far as playing live? Um, people like it because, uh, they can, um, yell, got the win. When I, when I say the night, the backup catcher got the win, everybody gets to scream out. So I actually wrote, just wrote a new song called the Cubs of 69, which everybody can scream nice after I say the Cubs of 69. So I can, I, I realize people just like that audience participation stuff. So this is one of people's favorites for sure. And even though John's with the pirates, we will continue to play it. No doubt. Yes. Uh, uh, hey, man, I love it live. Uh, you know, me and William, we we get into this one. Uh, ooh, uh, ooh. But here it is, man. Uh, I had my first shot of Malort to that song. Yeah, William broke his non-Malort uh, at the Nissan Lounge and with the double header. Remember, we had yeah. the John Baker Day between yeah. the double header. Unbelievable! That yeah, was a great day. Uh, this is that track number seven, the Ballad of John Baker.
Danny, one of my favorite songs you've ever wrote is One Out Closer to a Beer, man. And I was thinking about that. Uh, I was in Cincinnati this year, and we went and they cut the beer off, you know. And I'm like, yep. oh, we're going into the 10th inning. Well, at least we're going to be one out closer to a beer. And I'm like, one out. And I started singing it. To, I'm like, man, so that's part of like how it's I think. It's kind of like a is. life mantra almost. Exactly. I mean, when you're cut off. No matter what, at least you're one out closer you're, to a beer. You're always one out closer yeah. to a beer. Yeah. So, Danny, tell us about what made you think about writing this. Is it just because of what I just said? Or, like, what was your thinking behind this song? It had to be kind of similar, I guess. Because you knew Stu was well, one out away from a beer. <laughs> well, A, I, I enjoy beer um, and alcohol of all kinds. Uh, but, no, John Lackey, actually, this is a phrase of his. Is like when he when he's up there. And, you know, the game's ending. He's not thinking about liquor being cut off. He's thinking about that I want to end this game and get everybody out. So Because every out that he's one out closer to a beer in the clubhouse. Now, I kind of applied that to how it is when beer sales get cut off, you know, in the eighth inning. And you're sitting there, you know, in the ninth, there's pitching changes and you're sobering up. And then maybe it goes extra innings or whatever it is. And, um, you know, that's and that's the thing. I also want to get a jab in at the prices that, um, you know, every year they raise more uh, this year. They've not raised prices, but they did because what they did is they stripped out the tax. It used to be tax included in the overall price that you saw on the board that. So it was, you know, ten dollars, but that included the tax. Well, now it's ten dollars plus two bucks because they didn't include the tax anymore. So they didn't quote unquote raise prices, but they did. So and they figure out a way to do it, even in the middle of a pandemic. God bless them. They're billionaires, but just always need a little bit more. I'll tell you what, guys, my favorite track. I, I, I want I can't. This is what we're going to play at Club 400. Like when the party's really going to start rocking and rolling, you know, like this is like. Well, we're going to play it uh, this weekend. I think we're going to play it at right about the uh, 9th, 10th inning. But you're not when cutting we, off we beer went. sales, right? We're, we don't cut off no, beer sales at Club 100. But here it is, guys. Fittingly, number number eight on the album. Here is one out closer to a uh, beer. Hey, 
Guys, uh, I am not going to lie. I have actually helped my friend uh, put his dad's ashes on Wrigley Field, which leads me into track number nine, our final track off the Bleacher Bum album that just came out, Ash in the Ivy. Tell us about this one, Danny. Yeah, well, this is the the riff that just kept on ripping and giving. Uh, This was a song that I wrote for a friend of club 400, Mr. Carl Edwards, Jr. Um, pitched for the Cubs, obviously. Uh, and as was a guest, that, uh, but there was a song I wrote for a contest real quick. Why wasn't, uh, Carl Edwards, Jr.'s track on this man. This, this should Carl Edwards, well, Jr. Well, it is. <laughs> it's now called 
ash in the party. (laughs) So it's the same song. It's the same exact song. I changed it. I wrote some new lyrics. But you know, Carl, you went over to the Mariners, and then I don't. Well, I don't know where he is right now. He's with Um, the Braves, Atlanta. Yeah, Yeah. he's with the Braves. Yeah. All right, Atlanta. Um, so yeah, I lost track of Carl, but um, and I lost track of the song as well. Fun one. That's a fun one too. Yeah, well, it's the same song. It's I, I had that track, and it was like a it was a good funk tune. Yeah, that's and what so, I wrote down was funk. Yeah, and it gets people dancing, and yeah. like, and it and it allows me to sing a little bit more like like R and B blues style. And so I just you know I don't really most of the rest of the singing is rock. So uh, there's just there's a little, little departure, and like people could dance, and like kind of has a groove to it. So. Um, but it was the, Carl Edwards Jr. It's the same song. I literally took that song, gotcha. got rid of the Carl Edwards Jr. lyrics, and um, one of our goals as the Bleacher Bum Band, and we're going to get to everything. So if anybody has any ideas, uh, contact me about what you think is a good, like, kind of Wrigley Cubs trope that deserves its own original song about that thing. You know, it's like, you know, as you said, like people burying their loved ones or they're spreading their ashes at Wrigley Field. It's a common occurrence. In fact, like Bleacher Jeff sitting out in the left field well and somebody went drunkenly dumped their grandfather or whatever over into the ashes. Well, the wind was blowing the wrong way and Bleacher Jeff got a mouth full of ashes and went in his beer. And so it's probably just probably that- ashes still in that beard. You haven't seen Bleacher Jeff. Well, I, I, we got we need to get Bleacher Jeff, which I wish I was I wish he was on this podcast right now, but we need to get him a haircut. We could raise a lot of money if people donated like to get, see Jeff get a haircut because yeah. like yeah, not St. cut Paul, his hair St. since the uh, pandemic. Yeah, yeah, he's the um, best. Tell yeah. where's Jeff at? He's Lounge drinking Malort probably. Yeah, either that or he's right downstairs drinking Malort. Um, <laughs> So, because uh, we actually live in the same building, so you know it's kind of cool that um, you know we're just a mile north of Wrigley. We sit together in the bleachers all the time, and we share this musical thing. I mean, I, I write all the songs, and then he comes up with like cool, fun parts uh, to it. And you know, in this sense, like uh, you know, when he told me that story about getting the, the getting some dead dude's ashes in his mouth and his beer. Um, well, I'm like, well, that's got to go in the song, and and that kind of like spawned the whole thing, and and so I actually asked on Twitter. I said, "Hey, I want to write this song about um, ashes, you know, or people spreading ashes of their loved ones at Wrigley Field." I said, "Give me some names of the of people that you've done that with," and people responded to me on Twitter. They gave me all the names that are in the song are real people's names that I put in there. No last names, but just first names of, you know, Paul and John and, you know, uh, George and Ringo. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, no, but all the, all the names, uh, Grace, I think there was an Aunt Grace that is in the song and, you know, Aunt Grace in her final resting place and, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. And so they're all real people. And, uh, and I, it's like, and you can dance to it. So this is all about the spreading those ashes out in the ivy. Ash in the ivy. Track number nine, Ash in the Ivy. Yeah. 
the spread Burn bodies of the dead Ash in the eyebed To Wrigley they return One last time in an urn Thanks for coming on with us tonight. I want to ask you a couple one a couple other questions and we'll let you go. I know you're gonna do your show here in a minute, but um personally, uh what is like your proud when you think about if you had to play like one song, let's say it was like American Idol edition or something like that, where 
You had one like one song to play in front of like people who did had no clue who you were or what you were about. What song would you perform for them? And it doesn't have to be Cubs; it could be anything. But like, what would be like how you would want to portray who you are as a person, Danny Rocket? Oh man, that's that's a really hard question to answer. It's a um, tough one, wasn't I, it, Danny? Yeah, that, that <laughs> you is. Are like, I mean, from the Rolling that, Stone magazine. You, you know, I mean, I. As far as like the album we just talked about, I think that the one that maybe personifies my personality the best is is somewhere around kind of um, one out closer to a beer, <laughs> you know, like just kind of a good rollicking, rocking good time, um, and and uh, just up there sweating and dancing around and like like how Bruce Springsteen used to rock in the in the eighties, you know, just never stop rocking kind of kind of vibe to it, I, you know. I, feel like that would be one but um you know when i when i look back on like you know other songs i've i've written in my life there's um there's a couple unrecorded ones that i might pull out and i and that's just it it's just like if i had to perform for the whole world i mean i would probably take that and write a whole new song to perform for the whole world right right um but and then everything else like i feel like i've written in enough genres and for enough people that given the certain circumstances i've written love songs i've written sad songs like there is a song i wrote called beer in the sunshine um right when the pandemic hit and baseball got canceled and i was like pretty upset that was a good one that was a good one you should record that one that'd be a good one i I did i did there's actually another album called song ranto like instead of sun ranto song ranto and it's kind of like all my old versions and outtakes and some demo tracks like there's even a song that i wrote for len casper one time when they were talking like i believe jim deshay said somebody should write a song called hot dog launcher and this was like in 2013 2014 and so i that day i sat down and i pulled out the banjo and i wrote a song called hot dog launcher and i sent it back to them within an hour and um and and so like you know stuff like that so i was like well this never saw the light of day you know like so I'm going to put it, I'm just going to put it on the song, right? It's like a 25 song album. Um, some of these are on there. Some of these songs, um, other ones, like I didn't come here for a haircut. Like, well, I that's really a great like, one. Really, yeah, that's a classic. Yeah. And that's a John Lackey quote too. Right, that's it. Yeah. Um, I got a song called Ballad of Billy the Cub, which that's we never play, one. which is the, the dude that was before Clark. Um, um, we will someday is a song about fathers and sons uh, that, you know, their generational cub fandom in which like your father brings your son who brings their son. And, you know, that, that will always have this place of Wrigley field. If, uh, and it's a sad one, you know, uh, you know, even after we're gone, we'll always have this, um, you know, it's just like all those kind of uh, those tunes. I think the ones that are like more tug in people's heartstrings, people have told me are their favorites, which that means a lot to me because those were the ones that were the closest to my heart. Right. You know, whereas the, whereas the other ones, I'm just having fun. You know, one hour closer to beer, let's all get drunk and make fun of the rickets. <laughs> you know what I mean? Whereas, uh, you know, a song like We Will Someday is a song about, you know, our, our families and our love for each other. So it's, you know, it's, I like to run the gamut with, um, stylistically how I compose because um, I'm interested in so many different kinds of music and um, playing different kinds of music 
but obviously there's we use music for so many different occasions and so many different um uh celebrations and uh it's you have to be somewhat flexible as a musician if you want to survive you got to play it all i've played for little kids i've played for old people i've played rock clubs i've played <laughs> theaters and um tv studios and and corners <laughs> corners of the street so uh you know you just gotta adapt and always give the people what they want there you go <laughs> so, Hey, I have one more question for you. It's not really a question. It's a statement. Earlier, you said you were looking for new ideas. I thought I heard that. Stu and I are real close to writing some lyrics for you about a rooftop. That's all I can say right now, but it's in the works. We'll have it to you soon. I love it. We will have it to you soon. And uh, just want to ask you this question because I was just thinking about it earlier while we were talking. Do you have anything recorded when you were actually rapping danny like you have have you ever rapped before i've never heard you rap before are you a rapper have you got any rap in you or no what did i i did rap something once uh recently and i i believe i sent it God, what was the rap it's not like my main thing that i do um there was one song there's a song called jesus time which um is kind of I don't know if you know the song Ras Rasputin or Rasputin like Rasputin like the Russian dude. Um, there was a guy named Boney M. This is one of my favorite songs from the seventies. It wasn't that popular in the United States, but it was. Well, I'm find it and play it at the end of this out this interview right here. Okay? Yeah. All right. Oh, Jesus it. time. Jesus yeah, time. Yeah, play Jesus. Jesus yeah, time. Well, that's that's my answer. I don't know. Maybe it's not for. It kind of like that's okay. Makes Wait. fun of. It makes fun of religion, kind of. That's fine. We'll or, put it put it on there, William. We have we uh, we, we don't care about. It. Let's just put put it. But that put that one on there at the end of here. And uh, yeah, it, that, that song came. Out, I forget why I was even bringing that up, but I, I'll send I'll send it to you. I don't right. know if it's even online. Um, but uh, anyway, the the what was the the question? Was there even a question about rapping? But uh, oh yeah, I rap in that. Yeah, okay. He wraps on that. All right. <laughs> That's where you go. So, yeah. Hey, Danny, I, we're going to let you go because I know you got to get going. And uh, we appreciate you coming on with us tonight. I can't wait till you're back here uh, with the band performing the songs here at Club 400. Uh, you've been a part of helping us uh, get to our goal of raising $1 million. And I look forward to you uh, being here to help us complete our mission and moving on from there. So, uh, thanks for your time tonight. And thank you for this great uh, album uh, for Cub fans that you put out there, something that we can jam out to when we're head to Wrigley Field. I, I, I appreciate it, and as much as I'm a friend of yours, I'm also a f fan of yours, man, and uh, I appreciate what you did with the album. Thank you very much. Thanks, brother. And uh, just shout out to Bleacher Jeff and Aljin and Darko and, and all the people on this record made it possible because, you know, none of us can do this alone. We all got to do it together. And that includes me, you, and and everybody else in this fabric of Cub fan. And we're gonna we're gonna get it done. We're gonna get that million dollars for Club Four Hundred, and then uh, we're gonna make another. Uh, and then we're gonna make a, a million Club Four Hundred million dollar uh, celebration song. There you exactly, go. exactly, <laughs> man. All right, All right great buddy, talking to you, Danny. Thanks, Danny. Love you too, man. Take care. I really listen. I love Jesus. I really do. He's a great guy, and we go. Uh, kind of far back um 
I went to Catholic school, but I didn't really know about them there. They just the, uh, you know, the, the fake Jesus they tell you about, they tell kids about. But the, the real Jesus I've gotten to know over the last, uh, I'd say, 10 years. And, uh, you know, he's, he's a wonderful guy, if not a little strange. But, uh, you know, I think you should go buy his app. Uh, I know he's an inspiring fellow because uh, he did inspire me to write him a theme song for the new app. And so uh, here it is. Here's Rocket Radio's new release. It's uh, called Jesus Time. And... Uh... I met a little man with a halo and beard. His feet were all dirty and his accent was weird. He was hanging with some hoes even though he had no money. He was richer in love than the bees are in honey. With his life Jesus will be there. 
Jesus.